awesome God. Put it right there in the chat tonight. Say, my God is awesome. Our God is an awesome God. Let's just give a virtual amen to our praise team, our media team, everybody that allows us to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ right there to your living room. We praise God for you and we thank God for the work that you are doing to make Jesus Christ known through the preaching of the gospel. Good evening, Oakwood. And to anybody that's joining us from any part of the United States or any part of the world, we're grateful and thankful to have you with us tonight as we continue in our teaching series entitled Signs. And we've been talking specifically about how to discern God's will for your life. So as we begin tonight, I want to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to the book of St. John chapter 5. And we're going to begin at verse number 30. And while you're turning right there in the word, if you don't mind, be an electronic evangelist and Apple apostle. If you're under the Android anointing, you can help us just the same. So if you're on Facebook, just share it as many times as you can. And if you're on YouTube, just copy the link, text it to somebody. We want somebody else to be able to receive this word tonight. St. John chapter 5 and verse 30. And I'm elated. I'm turned up. I'm excited about the things that we're going to talk about tonight. And I want you to know it's not going to always feel good. But if you can't say amen, say ouch tonight. Uh, God is going to speak to us just the same. St. John chapter 5 and verse 30. Jesus speaking shares with us a very important principle. He says, I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge and my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. Tonight, as we continue our series, Signs, I wanna to talk to you tonight about learning how to yield. And I wanna talk specifically about the principles of biblical submission. Let's pray together tonight. Father, my prayer is that in this little while that you would say much. Father, I'm praying that in the hearing of the word that faith would be multiplied several times over. And so, Lord, I pray that you would not just give us ears to hear. Lord, I pray that you would give us a heart to receive and that your spirit would ripen our hearts, that we would act on the word that is being spoken. So, Lord, I pray that the power that is present here, that it would accompany the Internet stream and that it would be transformative into every home or into every device into which it is received. Bless us to this end, we pray. In the name of Jesus, let those who believe shout amen and amen. And so tonight, I want to begin by defining what it means to yield. I want to begin by defining what it means to yield. In road transport, a yield or give way sign indicates that each driver must prepare to stop if necessary to let another driver on approach proceed. A driver who stops or slows down to let another vehicle through has yielded the right of way to that vehicle. In other words, in traffic, there are gonna be times where you come to an intersection where what you're gonna do is you're going to yield or you're gonna give the right of way so that somebody else can take the lead. You're gonna give the right of way so that somebody else can go ahead of you. In other words, you're gonna fall back and yield to somebody else. And I need you to know that the same way that's gonna occur at traffic intersections, sections, they're gonna be intersections of life 
where you're going to have to stand down, where you're going to have to yield, where you're going to have to give the right of way to somebody else. And friends of mine, I believe that one of the keys to joy and happiness and success in life is not just knowing how to fight. I need you to know that your victory is in knowing how to yield. Let me be clear. I'm, I'm kind of a confrontational person. I like to get right down to it. But one of the things I'm learning in life is that sometimes the greatest back to battle victories are not the battles I fight. Sometimes the victory is when I just decide to yield. Sometimes the victory is not when I call it out. The victory is when you just learn to let it go. In other words, there are going to be times where you're certainly going to have to stand up. You're going to have to take a stand. There's going to be a season where you have to fight a battle. But I need you to know tonight, friends, that sometimes the victory is going to take place when you stand down and you yield and you give the right of way to somebody else. So friends of mine, I want to say real quickly some big ideas that people who refuse to yield are destined to crash. In other words, friends, that the reason that some of us crash professionally is because we don't know how to yield. The reason some of us are crashing academically is because we don't know how to eat yield. The reason that some of us are crashing romantically is because we've got to always have the right of way. We've got to always get the last word. We've got to always come out on top. And the reason friendships and relationships always crash is because we don't know how to yield or give the right of way to someone else. In fact, the word of God says in Proverbs 18 and verse 2, the Bible says, that fools find no pleasure in understanding, but they delight in airing their own opinions. In fact, friends of mine, one of the things that social media has done to us is caused us to put too much value in our own opinions. In other words, it's okay to have a right to an opinion, but just because you have an opinion doesn't mean you need to air it for everybody to see it. In fact, I need somebody to understand that like one of the reasons we don't have much mind left is we're too busy giving a piece of our mind to everybody that bothers us or offends us. And see, let me just say this, because this principle of yielding is only going to apply to those who are personally secure. And what I mean when I say that is when you're personally secure, you're okay being right but the insecure have to be proven right. In other words, yielding only makes sense if I'm okay being right, but you ain't got to agree. You, you, you don't have to affirm it. No one else has to validate it. I'm okay functioning in my own skin and abiding in the will of God for my life. But those who have no understanding, they've got to voice the opinion. Somebody else has got to affirm it. Somebody else has got to second it. They need a group to vote it. But how many of us know that when you are walking in the will of God, you don't need nobody to say amen. You don't need nobody to second the emotion. Like you're just good functioning in principle as as you move in the direction that God has for you. Next thing I want somebody to understand about yielding is that yielding requires discernment. In other words, a yield sign is not like a stop sign. A stop sign requires you to stop. 
A yield sign is not like a green light. It tells you when to go. A stop sign is, uh, a yield sign is not like a yellow light. In other words, it doesn't give you a command. A yield requires for you to kind of make a judgment call based upon the speed of those who are traveling. In other words, you gotta make a judgment as to whether it's appropriate for me to force my way in the right of way or to stand down and let somebody else have the right of way. In fact, one of the things you gotta know, friends of mine, is when to yield. In fact, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes that there's a time to tear and there's a time to sow a time to keep silent and a time to speak. There's a time to love and a time for hate, a time for war and a time for peace. I hope we're catching that tonight. In other words, the word teaches us that there is a season for everything. There's a season for me to tear it up and there's a season for me to mend it together. There's a season for me to speak and there's a season for me to shut it down. There is a season for me to make war and there's a season for me to have peace. Now the reason some of us don't know how to yield is because we only know one season. In other words, we only know the season of speaking. We only know the season of tearing. We only know the season of war, but we don't know how to make any discernment between the seasons. In other words, we don't know that there is an appropriate season even for a courageous person to be silent. We, we don't realize that there's an appropriate season even for the stronger person in battle to choose peace. There is an appropriate season as much as you like tearing stuff down. There is an appropriate season where we are to mend and be healers and be peacemakers. But the problem is some of us only know one speed. We only know how to function in one season and we cannot thrive outside of a season of combat. But the word is teaching us that not every season is a season of combat. There is a season to mend and to be still and to bring peace. If that makes sense, let me hear you say amen. And see, this is what I want somebody to get. That yielding, help me Holy Spirit, is not weakness, but yielding is actually the pattern of the Godhead. So, so stay with me on this church. Because see, when we think of the Godhead, we see in the language of scripture a hierarchy that has the Father on top, the Son in second place, and the Holy Ghost like rounding in third. And so what we see because of a misreading of scripture is a hierarchy. But how many of us understand that there is no hierarchy in the Godhead? In fact, they are a unity of three co-eternal persons. So that when you look at the word, what you never see is that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they never battle for supremacy. In fact, what you see in the Trinity is them constantly exalting one another. So when Jesus was here on the earth in John 5.30, he exalts the Father. He makes it clear that I don't really do anything of my own accord. I only do the will of him who sent me. And then in John 14, he says, it's good for me to go away 
Because if I don't go, the Holy Spirit will not come. So guess what? Jesus exalts the Holy Spirit. But then in John 15, 25, he says the work of the Holy Spirit is going to be to illuminate knowledge about me, the Son. And even though the Son exalts the Father, the Father then turns around and exalts the Son and gives him a name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess. So I need you to understand that if hierarchy is not of God, then hierarchy must be of the enemy. So that if there is no hierarchy in the Godhead, maybe there shouldn't be a hierarchy in your marriage. There shouldn't be a hierarchy in the church. There shouldn't be hierarchy in our homes. In other words, in the Godhead, you have roles, not hierarchy. So in your home, you ought to have roles, not hierarchy. In other words, hierarchy is a human construct designed to apply value based upon position, but our value is inherent. Are y'all hearing me tonight? In other words, my value is not less because I don't have a title or because I'm not married or because I don't have a certain amount of money. I've got value because I've been created in the image of the almighty God and I've been purchased by his blood. But what biblical submission teaches us, friends of mine, is that I'm not of lesser value. I just got to know my role in a specific context. If that makes sense, if you say amen. In fact, the Bible says that we're talking about Jesus, that, that we ought to not look to each of you of his own things, but each of you also the things of others have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God, counted not being on equality with God a thing to be grasped. In other words, Jesus was not trying to prove that he was on the same level with the Father. He was not trying to demonstrate that he was greater than the Holy Spirit, but he was willing to take on the form of a bond servant in biblical submission to other members of the Godhead. Why? To show us how we ought to operate with one another. That's why the Bible says, let us have the mind that Jesus had. In other words, if I want to think like Jesus, I got to submit. In other words, no, no, Jesus says, I didn't count being equal robbery. In other words, I'm not lesser because I submitted myself. In other words, I, I'm the strong one. In other words, you know, the Bible says that in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. In other words, what the Bible is teaching is that very from the very beginning, he was God. But guess what he did? He divested authority. He gave up authority. He yielded it for the sake of the mission. And what I'm saying is if Jesus could yield up some authority, maybe there ought to be some husbands that yield up some authority, some wives that yield up some authority, some children that stop trying to grab authority, but we function according to submission as Jesus Christ did. Can the church say amen? So I want to talk real quick about some roundabouts, some areas of life where we're going to consistently have to yield. In other words, whenever you're in traffic and you see a roundabout, there's going to be yield signs where in order to maneuver safely, you're going to have to yield up the right of way. So one of the areas of life where you're going to have to yield, and if you can't say amen, say ouch, is you're going to have to, you're going to, have to yield to your spouse. 
All right. In fact, the Bible says in Ephesians 25, Ephesians chapter five, verse 21, 22 and 25. The Bible refers to marriage and in the church. He says you are to submit yourselves to one another in the fear of God. Did y'all catch that? In other words, there is not just a one-sided submission, but we are to submit to one another. Then the Bible goes on and says, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. And then it says, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Now, now I hope that we are understanding from the scripture that Jesus is not about hierarchy. He is about formula. In other words, the word literally says that you are to submit spouses to one another in the Lord. But then he goes on and says, wives ought to submit themselves to their husbands and husbands love their wives like Christ loved the church. Are y'all catching me on this? Do you realize husbands that Christ loved the church so much that he submitted to it? In other words, he didn't punish it at the cross. He, he let it himself be punished by the church so that he could save the church. Oh God, I, I wish I had a whole church in here with me tonight. In other words, we are to function in biblical submission one with another. Now there's somebody who's still reading in the context of hierarchy, but I need you to know God is not trying to create a hierarchy. What he's trying to give us is the secret sauce for happiness in marriage. In other words, he knows that he's asked wives to respect their husbands or submit because he knows that a husband's number one desire is to be respected, to be built up by his wife. And then he gives the other half of the secret sauce where he says, husbands, love your wife like Christ loved the church. In other words, he's saying to husbands, this is the formula. I'm giving you the secret sauce. He's saying, I'm showing you the combination that unlocks the doors because what every wife needs, like the man needs respect, she needs to know that she is unconditionally loved by her husband. And what God is saying to us, saints, is that husbands, whatever you want out of your wife, you've got to love it out of her. Oh, let me say it again. In other words, the only way to get it out, in other words, the way to unlock the combination is you've got to love it out of her. In other words, you can't criticize it out of her. You can't intimidate it out of her. You can't beat it out of her. You can't uh, uh, intimidate it out of her. You've got to love it out of her. And as the wife pours in respect and the husband reciprocates love and they both function like givers and not takers, they both live in a marital overflow where there is plenty left over and there is no famine or drought in the land. Are y'all hearing me tonight? In fact, you see this whole idea of equality and submission in the way God created Adam and Eve. So that even Ellen White talks about how when God put Adam to sleep and, and he took a rib from Adam's side, that there was a typology there because he did not take a bone from Adam's head because Eve was not supposed to rule over or dominate him. He didn't take a bone from Adam's foot because Adam was not supposed to trample over Eve or walk all over her. He took a bone from Adam's side. 
because they were supposed to walk side by side in perfect partnership one with another. And see, there's somebody that's still wrestling and saying, no, but God says that the husband is the head. There is hierarchy. There's more importance. See, I need you to understand and maybe look at it this way. If the husband is the head of the body, guess what? The heart is the wife, the, uh, the wife is the heart of the body. In other words, what you see is they are both essential organs. Not one is more important than the other. So guess what? If the heart stops beating, the brain or the head starts stroking out. In other words, there is an interdependence where, where, where the brain or the head does one function, but the heart does a function that has equal value and equal significance and makes equal contributions to the body. Can the church say amen? Second area where we're going to have to yield consistently, and I hope my young people hear me tonight, is you're going to have to yield to parents and to your elders. In fact, the Bible says in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 20, the Bible says, children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well pleasing to the Lord. He goes on to say in 1 Peter chapter 5, in the same way, you who are younger ought to submit yourselves to your elders. Now, friends of mine, I need you to know that I'm just barely old enough to where I believe that there ought to be a certain deference that is given to the aged amongst us. I'm, I'm still old school enough to where I believe in yes, sir. I believe in yes, ma'am. I believe that we ought to give preference to those who are a little bit older. And see, the problem is that there is a lack of respect. And, and let me pause and say this to my age saints. See, we start by saying there's no respect amongst the young people. And one of the reasons you get caught up is that the only time you want to say something to them is to correct them. In other words, don't let your first conversation to be some, to someone you don't know be about what they're wearing, about how their skirt is too short, or about how they need to pull their pants up. In other words, your correction of them can never precede your concern for them. Let me say it again, that your correction of them should never precede your concern for them. But, but I still want to lay the burden on the young amongst us to make sure that there is a deference that is given to the aged. Are y'all hearing me tonight? In fact, I mean, I'm still of that generation where there are some older people who will say, Pastor, call me by my first name. My first name is this, that, or the third. And I'm just, I just believe they're the same age as my parents. I just can't call you by your first name. There's something in me that just needs to kind of show some deference. In fact, the Bible even says that even when you rebuke an older man, you ought to do it carefully so that even when they are out of line, you got to be careful even how you rebuke, the scripture says, an older person. And let me just say, friends of mine, that especially to those of you who are trying to maneuver life uh, with parents and, and older people, I need you to be clear that you, you need to stop trying to force them to change. Like the word says, you can't put new wine <laughs> into old wineskins. So guess what? At the end of the day, we're going to all have to kind of deal with some people. In other words, some older folk, they're going to tell you the same stories over and over again. They, they're going to want to make you stay longer than you want to stay. Guess what? They're going to give you some unsolicited advice. Guess what? They're going to send you home with some food or some stuff you don't necessarily need. But guess what I'm saying is treat it like you're at a hometown buffet. Take what you 
you want, leave the stuff that's not helpful. But guess what? You want to show deference and respect so the blessing of God can remain on your life. If that makes sense to me, you say amen. Third thing I want to encourage somebody to do is to make sure that you yield to providence. See, you're going to come to a roundabout consistently where, 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 man, God is trying to lead the way and you're trying to have your way. And you're going to have to learn how to stand down and give Jesus or providence the right of way. So the word says in Proverbs 16 and verse 9, a man's heart, a man's heart plans his way, but it is the Lord that directs his steps. Have you ever felt a certain tension in your life where you were trying to go this way, but something kept pulling you that way? Where you were trying to get moved over here, but something else kept moving you, keeping you there. You were trying to make it play out in this fashion, but it keeps playing out in another fashion. And the reason you find yourself resistant is not because the devil's trying to overcome you, but maybe it's because God is trying to preserve you because in your heart, you're trying to plan your course, but ultimately it is the Lord that determines your steps. It's just kind of like this. You know how it is when you're trying to teach your, your little one how to walk. And what you do is you hold them by their hands and you kind of let their little feet move about. And guess what? Sometimes they're trying to move toward danger or they're trying to move in the wrong direction. And, and you're holding them by their hand and you're, you're moving them in a direction that's safe or good for them. And it's funny because the little kids, are they laughing and they're smiling and they think they're in control because their feet are moving. But even though their feet are moving, it's the parent that's still directing them. And how many of us know that sometimes your feet may be moving, but it's still your daddy. You're still your parent that's guiding your steps and directing your paths and leading you ultimately where you need to go. And see, the thing I need somebody to understand is that God gives you free will, but you prosper in his will. He gives you the power of choice. But you cannot live to, to, see, there is a plateau in your choices. But I need you to know that there is no lid, there is no limit, that there, there, there is nothing that contains you when you're in the will of God for your life. And so what I'm saying is we got to get to the place where we yield up our will and we say, Lord, have thine own way. Have thy, thou art the potter. I am the clay. Make me and mold me after thy will. And while you are working, help me be still. Fourth thing that we got to learn how to do is we got to learn how to yield to authority. Yield to authority. Bible says in Romans 13, 1, let everyone be subject to governing authorities for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Now again, we tend to be a group that wants to protest everything. But God gives authorities to give direction so that there are certain things that we're protesting. Like right now, our culture, we want to fight and protest everything. So that even things like wearing a mask, like we want to take a stand over wearing a mask and we want to become mask or COVID martyrs simply because we want to buck against all authority. Authority is not bad. In fact, I want to say to, to somebody tonight, I think everybody, even with your grown self, everybody ought to be under somebody's authority. Ah, 
if Jesus was willing to be under authority, why, why can't you be under authority? In other words, like you literally need to, if you don't have somebody that you're under authority, you need to find somebody that has wisdom and, and discernment and sit at their feet and say, tell me what to do. Yeah. Like, like it, it, you, you become a danger to yourself and others when you're not under anyone else's authority. So we need to yield to authority. And let me just say this, we need to learn how to yield also to spiritual leadership. See, one of the things that has happened is we've gotten way too cavalier in the way that we criticize spiritual leadership in the church, whether it is your deacons or your, your church board leaders or, or your pastors. Come on and say amen. Like, like, look at what it says here in Numbers chapter 12. I, I didn't make this up. This is in the scriptures tonight, saints. Miriam and Aaron begin to talk against Moses because of the Cushite wife, for he had married a Cushite. And then notice what they say. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses, they asked. Hasn't he also spoken through us? And the Lord heard this. And notice what he said. He said, listen to my words. When there is a prophet amongst you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions and I speak to them in dreams. But this is not true of my servant Moses. With him, I speak face to face. And notice what he asked. Why then were you not afraid? to speak against my servant, Moses. The word literally says that the anger of the Lord burned against them and he left them. And I guess, friends of mine, we, we need to kind of bring back that whole idea that says, touch not the Lord's anointed and do his prophets no harm. And see, I need you to kind of make sure you don't mishear me because see, I'm not saying that you just turn a deaf ear to corrupt leadership. But one of the things you got to know is that Jesus says upon this rock, referring to himself, he says, I'm going to build my church. And guess what? He says, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And one of the things that if you have read these scriptures from cover to cover, whenever there was a corrupt king, whenever there was a corrupt prophet, guess what? The same way God says, I deal with him face to face in the good part. He says, I deal with corruption and leadership directly. In other words, the same way with Hophni and Phinehas. Guess what? God dealt with it. When it came down to Saul, God dealt with it. When it came down to Ahab and Jezebel, God dealt with it. When David got so bold as to snatch Uriah's wife, guess what? Could nobody mess with him. But God says, I'm going to put the sword in your house. And the sword will never, ever depart from your house. But guess what? He was not going to bless an insurrection. God was not going to anoint a human upheaval. He had to allow his judgment to reign upon those that were responsible to him. Are y'all hearing the word tonight? So I want to talk real quick. I'm almost done about the four benefits of yielding. We're almost done. We're crossing the finish line. There, there's a benefit in yielding. There's a benefit in biblical submission. Number one, it keeps you out of unnecessary conflict. When you learn how to practice biblical submission, Jesus said, do not cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you into pieces, the word says. The Bible says, do not cast your pearls before swine. Like, it's actually a hyperbolic statement that Jesus makes. He says, it's foolish for you to try to take a string of pearls and put it on a filthy, nasty pig. It's actually a comical thing he's saying. 
And the reason Jesus is saying this is that no matter how much you try to dress up a pig and give it something of value, a pig by nature will never recognize the value of a pearl. In fact, it's going to destroy the pearl and then it's going to ultimately turn against you. And what I'm saying is that sometimes when you learn how to stand down, when you learn how to give the right away and you ain't got to have your opinion heard, you can avoid unnecessary conflict, especially with those that have no value for wisdom. They have no value for construct, uh, correction. They have no value for improvement. It is casting pearl before swine. Second thing it does for you, friends of mine, is that when you learn how to yield the right of way, it keeps conflict from escalating. The Bible says here in Proverbs 15 and verse 1, that a soft answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. In other words, I want to say to somebody tonight, that at some point in a conflict, somebody's, when it's getting high, somebody's got to come low. When, when, when words are many, somebody's got to say, I'm going to make my words few. When somebody's talking out of their feelings, somebody else has got to say, I got to talk according to the spirit. When somebody's hurling insults, somebody's got to say, I can't respond in kind. When somebody is talking harsh words, somebody's got to say, I'm going to reply with a kind word. Because you realize that there are conflict escalators and there are conflict diffusers. And what I'm saying is that sometimes when you're personally secure, because remember, you don't have to be thought right when you know you're right. Listen, I've been happily married. There are some times where, where I'm, I'm kind of in my feelings a little bit. I'm going to tell the truth and shame the devil tonight. Uh, 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 where, where, where I can tell when my wife just is standing down and she stands down not because she thinks I'm right. She's just so secure. She's okay letting me think that I'm right. And, and what it does is it helps us come to a place of peace and it keeps the conflict from escalating. Third thing I need you to know is that yielding to godly counsel keeps us from making big mistakes. The word says here that in the multitude of counsel, in the multitude of counsel, there is safety. So what you want to do is you want to be in a place where you're receiving godly counsel. You're connected with individuals that are walking with God who can reinforce the things that the Spirit of God is saying to you. And then the last thing I want to say is that sometimes yielding allows the truth to come out. See, the truth ain't going to come out in a conflict. Sometimes the truth comes out when somebody stands down. Let me show you a powerful example of this. First Kings. All right, remember the story of Solomon where, where one of the things that affirmed his wisdom was when there were two ladies claiming to be the mother of the same child. And they came to Solomon for him to dispute or judge between the matter. And I want you to know that through yielding, the truth was revealed. So the Bible says here in 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse 25, then he gave an order. This is what Solomon said. One is saying the child belongs to me, the other is saying the child belongs to me. So he says, cut the living child in two and give half to one and half to the other. Then the woman whose son was alive was deeply moved out of love for her son and said to the king, please, my Lord, give her the living baby. She yields. She says, don't kill him. But the other said, neither I nor you shall have him. Cut him in two. Then the king gave his ruling. 
Give the living baby to the first woman. Do not kill him. She is the mother. In other words, I need you to get that the truth was revealed. The character of the mother was revealed. Not when she fought for the baby. Not when she says, I'll take half. But when she literally yielded up the child, that's when the truth was revealed. And by giving it away, by giving the right away, guess what? She was exalted. She was vindicated. She was validated. Her character was revealed. And sometimes we think we can only be vindicated by getting the last word. We think we can only be vindicated when somebody says you're right. We think we can only be validated when we get the final say. But no, if you function in biblical integrity and you function in biblical submission, I need you to know that in due season, if you humble yourself before God, he will exalt you in due season. He'll make your enemies your footstool. He'll cause those that come up against you to stumble and fall. A thousand at your side and 10,000 at your right hand and no plague will come nigh your dwelling. The weapon may be formed, but it will not prosper when you learn how to realize that the battle is not yours, but the battle belongs to the Lord. And so friends of mine, as we get ready to close out this evening, I want to encourage us to simply say, Pastor, I'm hearing the word of God tonight. And and see, this is what the word is saying to the church. Word is not saying be a doormat. Word is not saying be a pushover. The word doesn't say just go along to get along. But the word is saying that you've got to have a discernment of what season it, it is. To know that sometimes it's time to war. But then there's time for peace. Sometimes there is a season to tear down then there's a season where it needs to be mended and put back together. He's saying there's times when you need to speak up. You need to cry aloud. Your voice needs to be heard. And then he's saying sometimes the victory is going to be when you learn how to be still and let God show forth his salvation. But this is my more direct appeal tonight. It's for somebody to say, I need to stop functioning out of ego. I got to stop functioning out of hubris. I got to stop functioning out of the spirit of Lucifer that caused him to lose his hold on God. And I I want you to say, Lord, help me to have the mind of the Godhead. Help me to think like Jesus thought about things. Help me to not be the one that grasps at authority, but help me to be the one that's willing to give up and yield authority. Help me to not function in hierarchy, but help me to know my role in my home, to know my role in my job. Help me to understand my role or relationship to my parents. Help me to understand my role if you're a student to the teacher. See, the problem is the reason you can't submit is you don't understand your role. And when you understand your role, you realize that trying to be equal, trying to be the man, trying to be superior is not something to be grasped. When you know who you are and you know whose you are, you're okay being in a position of of submission. But I want to say this to somebody tonight more directly. One of the things that we talked about this evening is that you got to yield to divine providence. Providence is simply a fancy word that means that God is trying to lead your life in a certain direction. It is the understanding that your life 
is not an accident. It's not just a result of biological process, but that you are God's workmanship, that you've been created for him for his purpose and his design. And God has been trying to lead you this way, but you've been trying to force it that way. God has been trying to lead you down this path, but you are determined to take that path. And you wonder why you're always frustrated and you feel like something is fighting against you and you feel like something is pushing against you like there's this invisible wall because in your mind you're trying to plan your course but it is God that's ultimately going to determine your steps. And you just simply got to get to the place where you got to stop, stop being like the salmon trying to swim upstream. Stop going against the current and just flow in the current of providence and let it lead you. Let it guide you. Let it direct you to its intended end. There's somebody tonight, as you're hearing the word for the first time, maybe you're hearing the word of God for the first time in a long time. I need you to know that biblical submission comes when you do what the apostle James says, I'm going to submit myself therefore unto God. I'm going to resist the devil and he's going to flee from me. And so you're wondering maybe why religion has never really taken root. You're wondering why spiritual things don't stick. It is because you've never submitted. It's because you've never given yourself. What you've, you've done is you've experimented with Christ, but you've never consecrated to Christ. You've never made a commitment. You've never said, here, all to you, I surrender. All to you, I freely give. And so I need you to think, when you think about surrender, you're thinking about something hostile, something you're held up at gunpoint. No, this is simply saying, I realize his plans for me are better than my plans for me. I realize that who he is to me is better than who I can even be to myself. And so this is not a surrender by force. It's a voluntary surrender. It is when it's, I simply say, Lord, I, I want you to be savior, but I also give you permission to be Lord. I yield and I give my whole self away to you. And there's somebody tonight, you're listening to the word of God. You're sitting behind a computer screen. You're watching on a television. You're, you're watching on a device. God is calling you to a place of surrender. If you're here in Huntsville or the greater Tennessee Valley, after hearing the word of God tonight, you need to say, Lord, I'm submitting. Lord, I'm surrendering. And I want to affirm that decision by going all the way with Jesus Christ through baptism. And maybe you want to become one of the newest members of the Oakwood University Seventh-day Adventist Church. Right now, coming up on the screen, are the ways for you to join us. Right now in the comment is a link where, where you can click on it and you can find out the next steps in the process of discipleship for baptism or rebaptism. You can go to ways to connect and click on it and make that decision known to say, I want to be baptized. Or maybe you need to get settled in the truth and say, I want to begin studying the word of God. But this is it, friends. If you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. See, I need you to know that, that when God is saying now and you say later, that's rebellion. And God is not calling you to rebellion. He's saying submission. He's saying, I need you to yield. He's saying, let me take the right of way and let me lead you down that straight and narrow path that leadeth unto eternal life. So I need you to know somebody tonight, you don't need permission from anyone. You don't need anybody's consent. If you sense the spirit of God moving right there in your heart and in your life, just click on it, ways to connect and say, I want to become a member of the Bible-believing church. I want to become a member of this congregation. I want to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. 
or maybe you're not in the greater Huntsville area, I want to invite you to connect just the same and we'll get you connected with a good Bible-based church right there in your region or in your locale. But you got to act on the conviction that the Spirit is moving upon your heart tonight. So right now, you're either making a decision to be a disciple, but even if you're already a disciple, you're already a believer, you're simply saying, Lord, help me to stop trying to grasp authority. Help me to know the seasons. Help me to be discerning when to stand up, when to stand down, when to speak, when to be still. I want to stop crashing. And I'll stop crashing if I learn to stop, start yielding. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and it is a light unto our path. And Lord, there is somebody tonight that needs to, to, to just learn and, and get the wisdom of heaven on how to yield. Help them, Lord, to recognize the seasons. Help, help them to, to know when it's a season of peace, a season of silence, a season of mending. Father, help us all to have the mind of Jesus Christ where we don't seek out authority or power or, or to be on top of a hierarchy. But Lord, we function in submission to one another. But most importantly, we function in submission to you. And Lord, I pray for that person tonight that is filling out a baptismal card, that is filling out a, a card for Bible studies. I pray to God that you would seal their decision in the courts of heaven. May their names be written on the Lamb's book of life. And may they begin a journey of discipleship that culminates on the day that you come to receive us as, you, as your own. So Lord, would you please bless us? Would you keep us? Would you cause your face to shine upon us and give us your peace? We pray these things in the blessed name of Jesus Christ. Let God's people say together, amen and amen.